0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Great to see you. If you don't know who I am, my name's Gareth, part of the team here. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening online on podcast, if you're doing it, uh, listening down the gym or watching online through YouTube. Great to see you. Thank you so much for um, joining us. Isn't the Lord good? Isn't the Lord good? You know, I love, I love our church. I love the fact that... Um, we just seek to be a church that is interrupted by the Holy Spirit in our gatherings, and that we are a church that seek to do the best that we can to give space for Jesus to minister by His Holy Spirit in the midst of our worship. Um, you know, there's no formula. It's not like worship. It's, it's not like worship, then the Word of God, and then um, you know we'll do some prayer ministry. It's, all of it is just seeking to follow the Holy Spirit. And um, if the Lord interrupts, that's just absolutely wonderful. We want to let him do that. So thanks, David, for um, shepherding us through that. Well, if you have a Bible, I wonder if you would turn to uh, the book of Mark, chapter 16. We're coming into land um, as we've been journeying through Mark's gospel together. And as you turn into Mark chapter 16, I just have a question for you to ponder as you're turning the page or turning on your iPad or phone or HTC, whatever you've got. I wonder, um, what are some of the things that you have hoped for? What are the, some of the things that you've hoped for? What are some of the things that you are Hoping for. Of course, our hopes and our dreams are, um, can vary at different stages of life. I know at the age of um, nine, ten, my hope was that I would get the home cooking badge in Cub Scouts. And I did achieve it. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, I achieved it by, I think, making some flour and some water, making some doughy ball, sticking it on a stick, making it and wrapping it round the stick, and then cooking it in an open fire. And for that privilege of eating that chewy, kind of like gooey kind of mess, I got my home cooking triangle. Woo! I know under Bear grills, there's probably greater things that you have to achieve now in the um, Cub Scouting movement, but that's how I got mine. I'm sure our hopes in our adult life are perhaps slightly different. Maybe you hope that your children will get their exam results as they're coming up so that they get the to choose... Their university. You know, perhaps you're hoping that you get the job. Perhaps you're hoping that you get to have a summer holiday as a family. I really hope I can repair the relationship with my mum. I hope I can turn our marriage around. I hope we can have children. Or I hope we'll be accepted. For adoption, it was such a a great privilege to have Krish Kandaya and to have a number of people who are exploring adoption and fostering as part of the micro conversations that we've been looking at seeking to act justly in the world as a church and families and parents um, considering adopting and fostering from all different ages, by the way. Um, Some older um, adults whose children have flown the nest thinking of engaging in fostering. What a wonderful gift that would be to a child who is in need of a family. I hope my dad will come to know Jesus. Maybe that's your desire. I hope our money will stretch to the end of the month. Hope Arsenal will win the Premiership this year. That's a big hope, isn't it? That is a big hope. Highly unachievable, highly unlikely. My money, if I was a betting man and I'm not, because I'm a follower of Jesus and I don't bet, that's just my choice, it would be Man United. Come on, you Reds. Boo! There's only one team in Manchester, David Baker. Don't you know that? I wonder if you've ever felt like your hopes have been dashed They've passed you by. Maybe for you, your hopes have died. I know for me, as a follower of Jesus, there have been times when I've been really pressed or struggling or grabbing hold of something in my faith where I've just been hoping for God to intervene and God has been, I needed God to act. I remember um, very shortly after Zoe and I got engaged to be married, um, within a month, Um, Zoe was taken to A&E at Cheltenham General Hospital and um, she had severe head pain and um, we went to A&E and after a couple of hours of um, being in A&E a consultant came and was thinking of um, uh, of possibly blue lighting Zoe to... um, you know, the Head Injuries Hospital down in Bristol and I was crying out to God and in, in this treatment room thinking, God, where are you? God, would you intervene? I'm hoping that this is not the worst. You know, I've just met, you know, this incredible woman. We just got engaged and I'm hoping we're going to get married and I hope we're going to parent children. It felt like it was slipping away. I wonder if you've ever had moments like that those of you that know Zoe had viral meningitis and um, um, and that's kind of um, the Lord with medicine and doctors and nurses intervened and she's great now aren't you darling yeah yeah I don't imagine I'm the only one that has ever felt like hopes have been dashed or hopes of God's intervention um, have died perhaps that they feel like a faint memory or a that they are beyond the horizon. It's a distant hope. I want to say this morning that our passage this morning demonstrates that hope is on the horizon. Hope is on the horizon. Hope can be seen. Hope can be experienced. Hope is on the horizon. See, God's people in the Bible, they were all too familiar with hope. And they were familiar with hope that was distant. They were familiar with hope that seemed far away, that at times felt lost. And as we end our teaching series, walking through Mark's Gospel, I want us to truly ask ourselves this question, church. Where is our hope? And what is that hope? Where is our hope? And what is that hope? And that's what we're gonna come to as we jump into Mark's Gospel. Just as a little bit of background, as we come to close Mark's Gospel, it's important to remember that the backstory of God's people, the backstory of the people in Israel in the Old Testament, was that they were a nation whose narrative was pregnant with messianic hope. They they were hoping that one day the God of Israel would come to earth, that God would visit them, that he would take flesh upon himself and become their saviour and redeemer. That was the backstory. story. That was the hope. And it seemed um, since the prophets, there'd been 400 years of silence from the Old Testament and, and God speaking to the New Testament as we find here in Mark's Gospel. And one of the prophetic te- texts of the Old Testament is Isaiah 61. Words, I'm sure, that are familiar with us, but these words are full of messianic hope in Isaiah that God would liberate his people. Let's read these. are on the screen. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, if you feel that today, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, God's redemption, God's blessing for his people. That was one of those messianic passages that, the people of God of Israel were holding on to and then we land here in the gospels and we know um, that if we read Luke's gospel of the account of the life and the ministry that Luke includes this prophetic um, word because Jesus stood up at the beginning of his ministry in the, in the synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth and the scroll that he opened was this passage from Isaiah 61 and we know that this is, this is Jesus' kingdom mandates and as Jesus sat down he said, This today, this scripture is being fulfilled. Here it is in me. Now Mark doesn't include Isaiah 61. It's likely that um, the the original text, the original um, sources that um, the gospel writers had, Mark probably didn't have the original story, the original account himself when um, when he wrote his gospel because it was one of the most earliest of, um, well it was, um, we think, we understand, the earliest gospels But what we discover that Mark records is that Mark is very clear that Jesus is the messianic hope. And as we read and as we've read Mark's gospel together, I hope you've been taking time to read it in your own kind of devotional life or at other times, Mark wants to make it very clear that Jesus is the Messiah. And when we started, um, I think it was me, I kicked off the, the, the series in Mark chapter one. Mark made this bold statement right at the very beginning of his gospel, verse one. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then the rest of Mark's gospel is the evidence that demonstrates that Jesus is the Messiah. Mark wants his readers to understand that Jesus is the one sent from God to bring liberation, to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring reconciliation and restoration for God's people. And as we journey through Mark's gospel, we discover that individual people who encounter Jesus, their hopes are being realised. Their hopes are being realised. Mark's gospel is full of, of hope being realised, Mark is clear that Jesus is good news to the poor. Amen? Amen. Jesus is binding up the broken-hearted. Jesus is releasing people into freedom from darkness and prison, and declaring God's blessing on His people. We find story after story in Mark of Jesus healing the sick. He gave life to the dying and those that were dead to sin. And he provided miraculously for those who were in deepest despair. Why is it that we see in Mark's gospel thousands of people flocking to meet and to encounter Jesus? They, 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 they went after him because it, it was their hope, their messianic hope. Is this the one that will liberate us? Is this the one that will set us free? Is it Jesus. And so they flocked, hoping that he would change their lives for the better. I wonder if you flock to Jesus in the hope that he will change your life for the better. Maybe that's already your story. And we know last week, we sat in Mark 15. We sat in the public execution of Jesus at the hands of the religious leaders and the Roman soldiers and I imagine for the ones that followed Jesus that when Jesus died it marked the end of every shred of hope that they had hope was lost hope was dead the man who spoke of a future glory lay hanging on a cross the man who healed and set people free his body was bruised his body was bleeding the one who had led them had seemingly led led them down a dead end path and they watched Jesus they watched his body beaten and bruised and battered nailed to a cross and they watched him die hope it seemed is dead again I don't know how you would cope in that situation with the emotion of you know, waiting for God to reveal himself, waiting for God to come and act, then, then he turns up and then he acts and then, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. Apparently, hope is gone. Where do we put our hope? And what is that hope? Hope now lay buried and wrapped up in a tomb. Have you ever been in that place where it feels like hope is buried? A place where it feels like your whole world has crumbled around you? I know I have. You now spend your time mourning what could have been, what might have been. Desperation, despair fills our thoughts. That's exactly the place that the disciples find themselves as we Read Mark chapter 16. Three of them in particular are on the way, three incredible women of God, but they are hopeless, they are despairing, they are not expecting what they find. Their hearts are down and they make the way to the tomb. And we read this in Mark 16. When the Sabbath was over... And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He has risen. Well done, church. Well done. He is... Not here, praise the Lord. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, if you've got your Bibles open, but Mark's Gospel starts there. My version has a little bit of a line underneath it. And then there's a couple of other verses, nine verses to 20. And I've often wondered, well, why is that? Where where did this extra bit come from? Is that Mark's um, thoughts that weren't weren't written down? Well, it's good to ask that question. And I think um, in one sense... it's really important, but I don't think it, ta- it, it changes the message of Mark's gospel. But um, my understanding is, as I've, as I've read, uh, is that commentators generally believe that because Mark's gospel was the first gospel written, AD, 60, AD 55, AD 65, in the, around about that 10-year temp- that period and was circulated in the early church, that, that, that generally to, to give consistency across the other three gospels, copyists, those that were um, copying um, down and repeating copies for, for circulation in the second and third century added these extra verses that we have here. And I just think they add and give consistency to the gospel accounts. Personally, it doesn't change anything about the message of Mark. But what we do know from the other gospels and from the other accounts is that these three women... Whilst Mark says that they, they didn't say anything, they were too afraid, what we do know is that they could not contain their news. And they did what the angel or the, the young man who was wearing bright white, probably, I imagine, I don't know, angel wings, I don't know. I like to imagine angels like that. Powerful, <laughs> ninjas. <laughs> Sorry, if you've not seen the film Talladega Nights, you won't know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't watch that film, by the way. Um, They went and did what the angel told them to do. They went straight to the other disciples to tell them the good news. Jesus is alive. Come on. Hope is risen. Hope is not dead and buried. So Jesus is alive. What does that mean for us today what does it mean for you the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is available today and we've seen it time and time again in the life and the ministry of this church and that resurrection power whilst um, 2,000 years ago raised Christ from the dead Paul tells us that the same power that conquered the grave lives in us come on What does it mean, this resurrection hope, this resurrection power? Another question we can ask is, what is our resurrection hope? What is your resurrection hope? What does it mean for you as a follower of Jesus? Well, I like to read occasionally, Um, not all the time, but um, you'll be pleased to know that um, N.T. Wright, Um, Former bishop, author, speaker, still alive, preaching like a legend, um, has written this excellent book, 338 pages, around hope and the resurrection and the mission of the church. So I thought I'd spend the next 48 hours just reading all 338 pages. Would that be okay? No, I'm not going to do that. But I would encourage you to get it. This is sound, this is wonderful, and it's really helpful, I think. So I'd encourage you, we'll, we'll try and get it on the bookstore, maybe a couple of copies, but you can get it on Amazon. Um, I don't mind you going on there now and ordering it right now. Surprised by Hope. What I think is really helpful to us uh, to understand is that traditionally, in the church, Christian hope for most churches, certainly in the last... A um, couple of hundred years has boiled the Christian hope down to this that when we die, we go to be with Jesus in heaven. That's pretty much the traditional view of the church and it's often portrayed in medieval art, depicting heaven and hell as they go um, as as people die there's an image here of the Vank Cathedral Um, this is an Armenian church I don't know if you can see the detail but the middle strand is sort of like earth and then the bottom bit is um, there's not some nice things going on in the bottom bit that's the bit where you go to when you die and you've been naughty Um, I don't know I don't know if you can see, but I don't know who this guy is, but he's got an amazing mohawk. There's fire happening. It's imagery that we've taken from the medieval um, art. And up above, there's songs and there's harps and there's, I don't know, there's probably Nando's, if you like Nando's or something going on. It's, a, it's an image of medieval art that has, that has flooded the church, that has led to a theology that, when we die, if you've been good enough, you go to be with the Lord in heaven, up in heaven. If you've not, then it's down to the depths. And um, when you consider um, Dante's 14th century work, The Divine Comedy, the Inferno and the um, Paradiso and what's the other one? The Purgatorio. You know, when you consider, if, I, don't, I haven't read Dante's, I've only, I've only read a, sort of an, an overview of the book but again it refers to this place where we go to when we die but that's not the language of the new testament that's not the language of Jesus and part of the reason that we've um, had this influence in the church and by the way all medieval art isn't wrong by the way part of the reason that we've landed with that view, that traditional view, that that the Christian hope there is the resurrection um, that, we, that we will go to be with Jesus, is that often when people start to read the New Testament, they start in Matthew's Gospel. And when you read Matthew's Gospel and, and, and you start to read about um, Jesus speaking of the kingdom of God, Matthew deliberately uses the language of kingdom of heaven. And he uses the language of kingdom of heaven because the the Mark's gospel is primarily written for a Jewish audience and he doesn't want to offend them. He doesn't want to offend his readers because the mentioning of the name God, the mentioning of the name Yahweh would have been considered blasphemous in the early first, second century still in Jewish tradition. And so Mark avoids using the word God and replaces it with heaven. And so when we read in Matthew's gospel about entering into heaven, entering the kingdom of heaven, most people's assumptions about that's where we go to when we die are being confirmed. And that's not Jesus or Matthew. what Matthew had in mind. The teaching in the New Testament of God's kingdom ref- doesn't refer to a post-death destination. It's not about escaping our world into some holy hermit lifestyle. But of God's sovereign rule coming to earth. That is the hope that we carry and that we have. That's the prayer of Jesus, is it not? Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And in the New Testament, when Jesus speaks about the kingdom, he wasn't talking about a heaven that he was preparing his followers to go to. But something that was happening in their midst. The kingdom of heaven was happening in their midst on earth through the work of Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, and through the spirit-empowered work of the church. Hope comes through the spirit-empowered work of the church. In short, our resurrection hope is the ongoing story that we're a part of, that we find ourselves in, of God's kingdom being released now, as in heaven. And that generates a new way of living in which the power of evil is decisively Defeated. Do you feel that evil is decisively defeated? I know it has been done at the cross of Jesus because he said, It is finished. But we are living out as kingdom people the breaking in of the kingdom of God and the breaking through and the casting out of all evil in the world so that the new creation god's creation god's new life is decisively happening in our midst as Jesus followers are commissioned and equipped to proclaim the salvation for all if you hear here last Sunday, Archdeacon Phil, um, one of the things that he said is that when we consider the cross, the cross that gives us salvation, that we would believe in Jesus Christ, that the, the, the cross is salvation. One of the things I love um, on Alpha is that when it comes to the talk on the cross, because we believe that it, the gospel is, is salvation, that the good news of Jesus is salvation, that when we speak on the cross, people come to faith on Alpha. I hope you're thinking and praying about who you might invite on Alpha over the summer. We're starting on the 4th, on the 4th of October. But I guarantee that if people come and hear the, the cross talk, having journeyed with us, that a number will give their life to Jesus. And many of us here have come to faith through Alpha. But what Phil was saying last week is that salvation salvation is not just about our eternity with God, and that is our hope and eternity with God. But in the New Testament, the word that's used for salvation, sozo, that we, you know, we, we often use in our, in our prayer ministry of, uh, language of, of, of sozo, it's about renewal, it's about healing, it's about being set free, it's about coming into a wide open space with God. It's about the restoration, not just For you and I, not just for humanity, but for the whole cosmos, for all of heaven and all of earth. Salvation is to hope for and to act as a church for a better future in this world, for the poor and the vulnerable, for those who are sick physically, emotionally, mentally, for those who are lonely and depressed for the slaves and the refugees, now, today. For the paranoid, the abused, the downtrodden and the despairing. To those who are blinded by the world's entrapment of money, sex and power. Salvation is for all, for the whole of the cosmos. N.T. Wright in his book summarises the Christian hope when he says this. He says the Christian hope is not about saving souls for a disembodied eternity, but rescuing people from the corruption and decay of the way the world presently is so that they could enjoy, already in the present, that renewal of creation, which is God's ultimate purpose. Resurrection hope is God's. Breaking in by the kingdom of God and making all things new. And the resurrection hope that we carry as followers of Jesus, the resurrection hope that we have as a local church, is that God is in the business of making everything new. Do you believe that? He's in the business of making everything new. And He invites you and I into that journey, into that mission mandate of seeing his kingdom vision become a reality. And John writes in his revelation, in Revelation 21, we read this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, God's residing place, God's, God, the, 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 the epitome of everything that is God's presence coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So what does this mean? What does it mean for you and I? What this means is that what we do now or what we don't do now matters as followers of Jesus. How we live out our life in relationship with each other, in relationship with our friends, with our neighbours, with our work colleagues, with the, the cosmos of creation and how we look after creation. By the way, I hope you've Bought your non-compostable, your compostable cup for New Wine if you're going down to New Wine. It matters. It matters if we're engaging in seeking God's kingdom here in Cheltenham. It matters that we take part in God's divine plan. Do you know that God has got a plan, a divine plan, for this church? Do you know He's got a divine plan for you, a purpose? And so whether we're praying, we're preaching, we're campaigning for justice, it's great that we're, we've just launched and that we'll, we'll bring some fresh breath to not on our turf, you know, seeking you see Cheltenham become a slave-free town. It, it's great that we're having these micro-conversations about justice. All these things matter because they matter to life for people now and in the future. Offering food to the hungry, caring for the poor, loving our work colleagues or neighbours, building nurses' accommodation in the Caricho diocese, by the way, which is something that we might be considering and looking into um, into the new year. All of that matters. Our relationship with Bishop Ernest and seeing the kingdom of God come through that Caricho diocese matters. And as a local church, we've, we've, we've together discerned. and and believe that God is calling us to articulate it with our three P's. That's what it looks like for us here in Cheltenham, that that we we wanna seek to be a church that position ourselves be God, that offer ourselves in all of humility under his service, growing in intimacy and relationship um, with him passionately pursuing him in our worship life, in our devotional life. It, it, it means partnering with others, partnering to serve and to bless others, each other in the wider church, but also other, other commu- community organizations and groups. And it means planting for life. It means about seeing new, new ministries, new, new life springing up in our community. Some of that might be, mean church planting, yes, but it's about seeing God's kingdom come in a new way. I hope you're grabbing hold of the three P's. As I finish, one of the things that marks us out as followers of Jesus in our hopes and our dreams and our ambitions from those who are not yet followers of Jesus is that while we may have some hopes for personal change, some of the ones that I mentioned at the beginning, we have a higher calling. We have a higher calling from God. Not for ourselves, but for the sake of the world. His kingdom on earth, the renewal of all things by the church through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Hope is on the horizon as the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is sent out into every sphere of culture whether you're in business, whether you're in education, whether you're in healthcare, whether um, you're you're a parent, parenting at home, you are establishing the values and the, the nature of the kingdom of God wherever God has placed you. And the Apostle Paul, in his closing remarks, in his letter to the church in Rome, prays this prayer. And I finish with this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy And peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow the hope that cannot be contained by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is on the horizon as the church is empowered by the Spirit to advance the kingdom of God in the world. Amen? Let's stand, church. you're new and you're visiting us we actually don't need to pick up any children for another five minutes so um, let's be still for a moment I want to encourage you to um, perhaps as we stand the Lord is here we know that his promise is he's always with us but as we stand I wonder if I might invite you to close your eyes you may want to hold out your hands as I pray Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence again. Holy Spirit of hope. Holy Spirit of power. Holy Spirit of transformation. Holy Spirit of love and grace and compassion. We welcome you. I encourage you in this moment to invite God's Holy Spirit to come to you, to fill you afresh. I wonder if this morning you feel hopeless or you feel that hope is a distant memory or faint, that you've been hoping for God to intervene, for God to act in a particular way. I want to encourage you as we're standing, as we're praying with our eyes closed to surrender that to Jesus. Offer that with your hands if that's helpful to offer it out to Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Maybe it's hope for healing. I can't say if you're here this morning, you've been hoping for healing, why you've not yet been healed. Hope is on the horizon. Hope is the healer. Jesus is our healer. I don't know why yet the job hasn't come or the relationship hasn't been restored or the finances are so stretched. Hope is on the horizon. The person of Jesus. In a moment we're going to Finish, but and praise the Lord in the way that he works we've done ministry in a different way this morning and that's good that's if you're here this morning and for whatever reason you feel like hope has gone I want to invite you to come to the front now so that we can um, simply pray for you put a hand on a shoulder stand with you stand alongside you and pray for the empowering presence of God's Holy Spirit to break in your situation so if you're here this morning you're sick or unwell we'd love to pray for you just come just come if you feel like hope is lost if you feel like hope is a distant memory if you feel that hope is far from it, your thoughts if you're in a place that as, I, as praying I felt that it, for someone it feels like there are just clouds around your brain around your head I think I think there's something about depression. If you are here and you are someone who has been um, experiencing depression or some of the signs of depression, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray that God would, by his Holy Spirit and his grace and his mercy, just come and bring, bring his hope and bring his freedom. So if, you, if, you, if that's, that's you, as others are coming to the front, just come now. I'd love to pray for you. Some of the family could come and pray. That would be great. In this church, everyone gets to pray. Just come. Church, if you don't feel that it's right for you to be prayed for, I wonder if you'd exercise the grace of God and come in and pray for someone. others could come and pray that would be great you know I love that song my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness he is our hope he is our hope if you're here this morning and I think, I think I might be wrong but I think there's someone here that part of your story in your childhood was that you were abandoned by one of your parents if that's you this morning we'd love to pray for you just come now if that's part of your, your story that very sadly one of your parents left and you felt abandoned we'd love to pray for you Love to pray for you. Just come. Just come. Erica, could you come pray? Is that right? Thank you. Jesus, 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 come by your Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Release your presence. Release your presence. Lord, I pray that hope would rise. Hope would rise. Pray that you bring freedom to the captives. Hope would rise. Holy Spirit come. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you have children, little ones, I know you might quite like to um, leave them with our amazing kids team and they will take care of them. But if you could make your way over to Trinity House, that would be fab. We're going to continue to pray here going to continue to minister and if you need to go, do go. Thank you so much for coming. A bunch of us will be down at New Wine next week. Please pray for us. Pray for good weather. Pray for New Wine this week, please. Please pray for good weather. For, I know it's raining down at, on site at the moment but please pray for the New Winers at, at week one. We want to pray God's blessing on New Wine. I'm just going to Finish with a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, that you are hope. That you are not dead, but you are alive and you live. And we can know that life. So may that God's blessing, God's blessing of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon us and remain with us always. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Lord, bless you as you go.